All right. Would you pray with me one more time just as we uh, begin to look um, at our teaching for today? God, thanks for this morning. I pray, Lord, as we look at what you want us to, uh, to hear this morning, uh, I pray that you would move me aside, that you would, you would speak through me. And um, this morning, more than ever, as it's our subject, um, would we not just listen this morning, but would we begin to figure out how we actually apply what we hear every Sunday uh, to our lives? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a few months ago, uh, I started experiencing these weird heart palpitations. Uh, I would lay down at night, and my heart would begin to beat extremely fast, and then all of a sudden, it would feel like it stopped beating, and it would make me catch my breath for a few seconds, and then it would go back, and it would be normal. And so I started doing this week after week after week. I started having these heart palpitations, and it became very, very scary. Uh, I was in my office one day. Heather was working in the food pantry, and uh, I became extremely nauseous, sweating, uh, felt like I was going to literally die in the moment. And so I remembered back to two of our, our people here within Trinity who's had heart attacks in the last few months. And that's exactly how they told me they, they felt. And so then not only am I feeling this in my heart, and I'm feeling nauseous and lightheaded and sweaty, well, I then believe I start having a panic attack. So I'm in my office, my wife is down here in our food pantry, and I go down and I say, Heather, I'm leaving, I'm going to urgent care. And I just leave. I just leave the building, I get in my car, and I drive to urgent care. I walk into urgent care, and I let them know what's going on, and they say, oh, I'm sorry, we can't help you because it's your heart. You need to go to the emergency room. All right, thank you. And I, uh, I get back in my car, and the panic attack seems to come even more and more and more. So I'm like, all right, if I can just get to a, a machine to check my blood pressure, a blood pressure machine at Walgreens, everything will be fine. So I drive to Walgreens, I walk in. No machine. Go back into my car. I'm like, all right, I know Schnooks has one. If I can just get to Schnooks, everything will be okay. I just need to check my blood pressure. I go into Schnooks. I'm, I'm kind of making my way over there, and there's a sign. Out of order. Right, and so I'm like, okay, my heart is now beating. I don't remember the drive, honestly. I don't remember getting in my car and making my way down Lindbergh, and I finally get to another urgent care. At this time, I could have been at the emergency room, but... I go to another urgent care, and they tell me the same thing. We can't help you. So I just stand there. I'm like, I'm not sure what to do. She said, well, is there anything else wrong? And I'm like, well, I'm feeling nauseous. Okay, we'll, we'll trauma uh, you, and, or we'll triage you, and we'll see what's going on. And so they get me back into a room. My pulse is extremely low, and they, they put me on a bed. And then they says, okay, we're not going to let you leave. So are they going to call an ambulance, or someone has to come pick you up? So my wife comes and gets me. I go to the hospital, the ER. Seven hours later, they say, everything's fine, right? Everything is fine. Now, in the moment, it was extremely scary. Extremely, extremely, extremely scary. I begin to think about my kids. I think about my wife. I think about you guys. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm having a heart attack. And so I found out now it's some anxiety and worry, as I talked about earlier, and wanting God to continue to overwhelm me and overcome me with his presence and but I started thinking about it. I'm like, how scary is it when it's your heart? I mean, if you have other issues, I mean, obviously you worry about it, but it's something different about your heart, isn't it? You, you think something is going to, to happen. And so we're in our series called Our Heartbeat. And we did five weeks of Our Heartbeat, and we looked at our core values, and we paid attention to, uh, to the things that God is calling us to, and 
And so we took a little break, and we looked at an I Quit series, and we all became quitters together. If you weren't here, I'd encourage you to go back and, and listen to those. But we're going to look at five more core values, the, these five things that are a heartbeat. And here's my worry. Here's where it becomes scary to me, is that we'll miss it. That we'll miss what God has called us to here at Trinity, here in our community. If we don't take care of what is vital to us, we'll just kind of play the game of church. And to me, that's scary. And so I want to have my, my finger on the pulse of what's happening here. I want to know what, what God has called us to, and then I want to follow through with that. And so we spent five weeks looking at it, and we're going to spend the next five looking at these other core values. This week, our core value says this. It says that we will follow the life and teaching of Jesus. That we will follow the life and teaching of Jesus. Now, you follow something or someone. When it comes to finances, there's someone you look to. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it's someone who's done really well with investing. For many of us, it's a guy named Dave Ramsey. Uh, But there's someone that you are looking to to give you guidance and direction in that area of your life. Uh, Maybe for health, it's Dr. Oz. Maybe you watch Dr. Oz, you hear the tips from him, and you put those into your life. Maybe for relationships, it's Dr. Phil. I don't know if that's a good idea, uh, but many of us may look to him for guidance and direction when it comes to relationships. I think often the younger you are, the more you look to your peers for guidance and direction, and maybe that changes the older you get, but I think for a lot of us, it's always our parents. Even as we get older, we still look to our parents to give us guidance and direction. But you are following someone or something. You're being influenced. And so this morning, we want to look at this idea of following the life and teaching of Jesus. Now, if you're here with us this morning and you would say, you know what, I'm not sure what I even believe I'm here just kind of investigating. Someone brought me this morning. I just stopped in. I'm not sure if I believe in this whole God thing. My hope for you this morning is that you'll hear what, as followers of Jesus, our goal is. What we feel like we are supposed to do as followers of Jesus. But specifically, if you're here this morning and you would say, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. Then this message is directly intended for you, for, for me. One of the mistakes that that we often make when it comes to the Bible is we make it just about an academic thing. So we've read the Bible, we we know the Bible, we can recite the Bible. Some of you have memorized large portions of the Bible. Maybe if you grew up in church, you even grew up doing something called quizzing. You would memorize just complete passages and books of the Bible, and then you would go to a competition, and you would quiz, and you would recite back what you had memorized. Now, I know when you put that in your heart, something happens more than just reciting it, but I also know that almost creates this culture of just knowing it. I've just memorized it. And for a lot of us, it's just become an academic thing. So it's just something we memorize. So we come on Sundays, we hear me or we hear someone else stand before you and speak. We listen, okay, good, I'll file that away. I'll take a bunch of notes I'll post on Facebook something interesting that I heard, but, it, but really it just kind of stays in our head. Honestly, that's how I got through school. I just memorized stuff. I was really good at memorization, so I made really good grades. So before a test, 
literally walking down the hallway, I would just memorize whatever I needed to know. And I would go in, I would put it down on paper, I'd walk out, never really to come back to it again. It was just something in my head. It never really had much of an impact on me. It wasn't that important. But I'll never forget April 19th, 1995. I'm an eighth grader, and I'm sitting in my journalism class. I'm sitting at a computer, and I'm editing the Western Oaks Warrior monthly newspaper. I'm typing, and all of a sudden, the the building kind of shakes a little bit. Now, I grew up in Oklahoma City. And in Oklahoma City, we have tornadoes and thunder. And so I look out, and it's a clear blue sky. And I think, that's, that's odd. I wonder what, what's happened. And I remember walking out of class, and I remember Ronald Wynn coming up to me and saying, there's been a bomb that's gone off in downtown Oklahoma City. And I remember going uh, to, to the next class, and we turn it on the TV, and we watch it. And I remember with my dad driving down to the area, and I see that evening, a big spotlight on the building that was blown up. There's a flag hanging from the crane. I'll never forget that moment, ever. And the reason I won't is because it had an impact on me. It changed something in me. It was more than just reading a book, and it's more than just hearing the story. I was actually with some people last night, and we were talking about this very thing, and they didn't know it happened. Because they were, they were younger, so they weren't even born, or they were a baby. And so for them, it, they kind of maybe have heard about it, but it has no real impact because it wasn't something they encountered for themselves. And so for us, if we're going to follow the life and teaching of Jesus, we have to move past this idea of it just being something we hear. That it's not just a book we study and we know more about and we can recite and quote, but, but it has to be something more. It's it's not just something that's about information as much as it is about something that has to do with transformation. Not just information, but transformation. And so when Jesus first comes along and he sees these people fishing and he calls them to follow him, he sees these young boys, he says, come and follow me. The whole invitation of that was to say, come and be like me. Come and learn how to do life by watching me do life. Come and watch how I treat people, how I love people, how I serve people, and then you do that too. So the invitation of following Jesus was not to step back and learn about Jesus, but it was to become more and more like him. So when Jesus spoke, when Jesus lived his life, he just had this expectation that people were going to do what he said, that people were going to listen and they were going to obey. And so for a lot of us here, we, we, we look at the, the Bible, and for many of us, maybe even though we may not understand it all, but, but I think most of us think it's true. Not all of us, but I think most of us think it's, it's true. I think we believe it. I think in theory, the things in here sound really, really good. But, but maybe some of us think, okay, did, did Jesus really expect me to do what he said? Does Jesus really expect me to put into practice the things he taught? Or are they just a bunch of I did's? Uh, my daughter, Kennedy, as she begins to read the Bible more and more, um, she has all kinds of questions. And I remember this moment because she loves to read, and so she reads all kinds of books. 
But I remember this moment when we had the conversation to where the book she normally reads is quite different than the Bible. Because the books she normally reads are just meant to be read and to have fun and to escape and to be in the story. But at some point, I started having the conversation with Kennedy to say, all right, what you read here is true. It's not just this made-up story. So it's things that we want to apply to our lives. And so we continue the conversation, and then, and then one night she says, okay, well, I hear about heaven. How do you get to heaven? And for many of us, that's like the focus point, right? The, the focus point is, all right, as a little kid, I said a prayer, and so I'm good, I prayed the prayer, I recited it, I, I repeated what the, the guy up front said to say, and so I've been forgiven, and so I'm, I've made my place in heaven. I've kind of stamped my ticket, I'm, I'm in. And so for many of us, that's the most important thing. And so maybe you see bumper stickers on people's cars about uh, an empty car and the rapture and being in heaven, and so we see that. And so for many followers of Jesus, that's like number one. And I'm not going to say that's not extremely important because my hope in the midst of the chaos around me is that sooner or later I'm going to be in a place that's perfect and I'll be completely whole and I'll experience God how he's meant to be experienced. But I also believe there's more. I also believe and have found hope for today, not just one day when, when I die. And so my thought is if it was simply about heaven, that's all Jesus would really ever talk about. But as I listen and I follow the teaching of Jesus, he talked about a lot of other things. And so if he talked about a lot of other things, I would have to think those things are important. And if Jesus says them, and I think they're important, then they're things I want to, to follow. The life and teaching of Jesus. And so as a Christian, we have to begin to say, if you, if you confess to be a Christian and follow Jesus, we have to begin to say, all right, does my life look more and more like Jesus. I started thinking of advertising, and I thought, who advertises what? And my, only, my, my thought always is when I see something like that, I always wonder, do they really drink that? Do they really eat that? Do they really use that product? Like LeBron James uh, is one of the spokesmen uh, for McDonald's. Does this happen? If you don't know who LeBron James is, he plays for the Miami Heat, maybe the greatest basketball player right now. Does he really go sit down and eat McDonald's? I don't know. And so my, my thought is, does he? Does he really put that into his, his body? Because he says he does. He wants people to believe that he does. That's the whole goal of advertising. And so for me, my thought often is, right, am I, am I eating, am I drinking what I'm selling does my life really reflect what I talk about? So when I stand before you on Sundays and I, I work through things, is that my life? Am I, am I actually doing even what I'm, I'm teaching you and I'm, I'm attempting to? But for all of us, if we confess to follow Jesus, then that should be a core value of ours, that, that we will follow the life and teaching of Jesus, that it won't be just something we talk about, that it won't just be something we know so Jesus is saying, come and learn from me. Live life like me. Love like I love. Serve like I serve. Come be like me. And a lot of people confess to do that, but I don't always see it lived out in people's lives. So one of the questions you have to begin to ask yourself is, do you base your decisions on following Jesus? So when you make decisions, how, how much of, of Jesus and of, of God does 
does it play in? Like, does it matter? Like, it should carry a weight in our lives the way we treat people and the decisions we make. And so each one of us have to begin to ask ourselves, do we do, we do that? Or has the title of Christian or going to church, has it just become that, a, a title? I was reading recently about the persecuted church. I don't know if you know this, but in lots of places in our world, uh, it's illegal to be a Christian. Uh, it's illegal to own one of these. So in some parts of our world, um, these pages will be torn out and they will be smuggled into communities. And so for some communities, they will have a page of the Bible. And that family will have that page and they will pass it around from family to family because of a fear that they have of losing their, their life. Because for a lot of places in our world, Christian is not just a title. Like there's a young woman right now, she's 27, she's a doctor and she's in Sudan. And I don't know if you've heard about this this woman, but she has been arrested uh, for abandoning her Muslim faith and being married to a Christian. And she's pregnant, and they arrested her, and she's actually had her baby in prison. And she's waiting her execution. And they're waiting till the baby turns two so she can nurse the baby till the baby's two, and then they'll take her life. And they've also given her a hundred lashes. So they've waited till she was done being pregnant had the baby, and she's now receiving 100 lashes simply because she's given herself the title of Christian. So she stands before a court, she stands before a judge, and they ask her three times, look, we'll we'll let you go free. Just recant what you believe. Say you're not a follower of Jesus. She wouldn't do it. She wouldn't do it because it was more than just an idea It was more than just sitting in a space with a whole bunch of other people and hearing someone talk about Jesus. For her, it's her life. She's doing this. She is following the life and teaching of Jesus. It's not about information for her. It's a transformation that's happened in her life. And she's willing to die for it. So Jesus makes this very bold statement. We're going to look at two stories uh, this morning. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. There should be uh, one around you. Um, and so if you, if you want a Bible, feel free to, uh, to take one. That's our, our gift to you. Um, it'll be on the screen as well. But for me, I like to, again, so it's not just something I, I hear. I like to take notes. I like to circle. I like to underline. And so uh, feel free to do that. Some of you have it on your phones, um, whatever you uh, would like to do. But we're going to look at Luke 6, 46. Luke 6, 46. And Jesus uh, makes some really bold, uh, bold statements here. Luke 6, 46. This is what he says here at the beginning. He says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord? Why are you saying that you uh, are placing me first in your life? An authority, the chief of your life. Why are we, why are you, as Jesus is saying to these people, why, why are you saying that? Why, why do you say these words, giving me authority, control, power over your life, but then you don't do what I say? Right, so many of us, we do that. 
I've done that. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. He's the Lord of my life. I've given him full authority and control, but, but then there's times I choose not to do what he says. And, and Jesus says, why? Why even give me that title if you're not going to follow through and really let me be in control? And he goes on and says this, verse 47. He says, I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. Verse 48. He says, he is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Now, the interesting thing here is both people hear it, right? I mean, Jesus doesn't say one person heard and puts it into practice, or he doesn't say one person heard and just by hearing, when the storms came, everything was okay. And you know, that person who didn't hear, the storms come and everything was shattered. No, he says both hear it. But both hear the teaching and one puts it into practice and one doesn't. So they both hear it. The other thing that's interesting here is the storms come for both people, right? So I don't know if you've ever thought, all right, if I at some point begin to follow Jesus, the storms stop. The difficult things never happen, that I don't get thrown a curveball, that I don't lose people I love, that relationships aren't still difficult. No, that, that still happens. The storm still comes. But Jesus says, if you hear the words and put them into practice, then something begins to look different in your life. You're holding strong to this foundation that's been put into place. And the foundation is there because of obedience, not just because you know it, not just because you've heard a lot of it. The other person hears it, the storm comes, and it says, as soon, so that the, the moment the torrent struck. So it didn't even take long. That the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Two people, both here. One puts into practice, one doesn't. One says, all right, I will follow the life and teaching. And when things happen, when difficulties arise, I have this foundation that's built because of Jesus. This reminds me of when um, I was a little kid. There were two games or two things I loved to do. Uh, and I'm sure if you're a parent or you uh, have children around you, uh, one of them is follow the leader. So one of my, my favorite things, follow the leader. I love doing that with my kids and doing goofy stuff and making them follow me and do what I do. And so maybe you know that game. I'm sure you've played it. The other thing that drove my mom crazy is when I would mimic her, right? And so I would mimic everything that my mom said. I would mimic it back. And uh, I've been blessed to have two kids that love to mimic uh, as, as, as well. But two totally different things. Two totally different things. And follow the leader, you watch someone's actions and you repeat what they're doing. So you look like them. The other one is you just repeat what someone is saying. You just mimic them. You, you kind of are just playing a part. This is what I think is happening for these two people. Uh, one, 
He's playing follow the leader and putting into practice what he hears. Uh, One just simply mimics, knows it, can recite it, but isn't putting it into practice. So for me, myself, uh, it's not enough for me just to say I follow Jesus if I'm not going to put into practice the ways of Jesus. That it's not enough just to say that we love people if I'm not really going to love people. That's not enough to say that we're about forgiveness and being forgiven if we're unwilling to forgive other people. That it's not enough just to quote the Bible. Let me fill you in on something just real quick, a a side point. Um, Whenever we just quote the Bible to people who don't believe the Bible, it doesn't do anything. Does that make sense? If someone says, I don't believe the Bible, and we say, the Bible says, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And so uh, the, the reason I believe the Bible is because it was written by people who were around Jesus. Right? So it's not just that the Bible says, it's that Luke, this doctor, was around and he saw things and talked to people and, and knew what was happening. So it's not just that the Bible says, it's that Luke is saying. But, but again, it's not just enough for us just to quote the Bible to people who don't believe the Bible. But I'll tell you what will make an impact is when we live out the Bible. When we begin to believe the practices of Jesus and we live that out. That's what will make people turn and think that something is different. Not just when we just bash people with, with, with Scripture. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. So, if we want to change our community, we, we'll do that by following the life and teaching of Jesus. But this is what I think often happens for those, especially who confess to following Jesus. Let's pretend um, that the parking lot is a complete mess. Let's say that the trash is everywhere, and I stand before you, and I say, this is what's going to happen. Jesus says, clean up the parking lot. We break from here. Everyone leaves. We walk by the trash. We go have lunch. We come back next Sunday, and we said, oh, it's so good. We talked about cleaning up the parking lot last week. (laughs) Right? But we we didn't do it. We just just talked about that that's what what we did. Or we go away and we get with a group of people and we say, wasn't that good that Kyle talked about picking up a bunch of trash? This is what I think it would look like for me if I picked up a, group of, uh, a bunch of trash. And so you maybe would get with a group of people and we would talk about picking up trash. Or we go away and we say, well, did he really mean to pick up trash? Is that really what was intended? It's funny, isn't it? But I think that's what we do. We, we, we read it, we hear it, and I understand there's some things in the Bible that are kind of like, okay, I don't, I'm not sure what that means, and there's a study that takes place, but a lot of times it's really pretty clear what Jesus says. And we probably spend more time analyzing, dialoguing, asking if that really has to do with me, am I supposed to do that, than just putting it into practice. And so our goal, again, is not just information, but Transformation. And it's not that we don't have access to the scriptures. It's not that we haven't, for many of you, you've heard it over and over. Um, I don't know if you know this, but about 100 million Bibles are sold every year. 100 million Bibles every year, about 2 million a month. 274,000 Bibles will be bought today. Today. I don't know if you know this, it's the most stolen book. The Bible is the most stolen book. We have access to it on our phone, any kind of device you have. 
you have the Bible. So it's not that we're, we're lacking in knowledge. Maybe, maybe we own Bibles, but we don't read them or look at them. But, but it's not a, that we don't have access to it. So it's not that we don't know. But, but again, it comes back to obedience and putting it into practice. So Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? These are the words he speaks after really the only sermon that we hear Jesus speak. So if you, if you looked in your Bible, Matthew 5, it's the beginning of the New Testament. For, for two chapters, Jesus basically preaches a sermon. And he gives a bunch of information, and he, and he talks about, uh, you know, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. Uh, but I'm going to say, if you even lust after a woman, then, then you've broken that. You've heard it say, don't murder, don't kill people. But if you are filled with hate, or you say raka, like you hate someone, then you've committed murder. And so Jesus goes through all of these things. And then at the end is where you would find this, this passage. He, he, he talks about it. He says, okay, you've heard me, and now you either put it into practice or you, you don't. Because Jesus is more than just about you getting to heaven when you die. Please hear me. That, that's important. We believe that, that if you confess and you believe in Jesus, that he does forgive us. He, he washes us clean of our past mistakes. And yes, I'm so thankful that the people who have gone before me, I know that they're in heaven. I totally believe that. And I'm thankful for that. But I, but I also believe that Jesus teaches a different way of living life. And so we either put it into practice or we don't. So the other uh, scripture that, that we want to look at, so again, that, that's when Jesus is alive. But then we have this story of a guy named James. James, it's going to be in James 1, 22. Now here's a little side note about James. Uh, James is a brother of Jesus. So if you had siblings, can you imagine that sibling rivalry? Can you imagine? Your brother is Jesus. Like you can never live up to your brother and Jesus uh, is born, he's living life. And the interesting things uh, that scholars say is they don't think James really believed that Jesus was who he said he was. James is Jewish. He sees Jesus doing all these things. And they're not real certain that, that James followed right away. It's his brother. Right? Yeah, yeah, right, you are the, the son of God. Okay, yeah, I believe that. So for me, this is one of those things that helps me believe that Jesus really is who he says he was. His brother believes in who he says he was. And so this is the interesting thing uh, that, that James writes. James 1, 22. He says this, Do not merely listen to the word. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Listen to me. It would be foolish of us to come on Sunday mornings just to hear me talk. Right? It is. I promise. It's, it's foolish. There's a lot of better things you could probably do. If it's just about coming and hearing the words I'm going to say. Don't merely just listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Many of us have, have heard probably too many sermons, if we're honest. We listen to podcasts when we're not here on Sundays. We listen to other people teach. It's always, for many of us, it's always kind of in our head. But James says when you just listen to it, you're deceiving yourself. 
So don't just come and listen. Look, attendance is not our goal. Checking the box of you being here is not our goal. Attendance is not our goal. Application is our aim. We are aiming to apply what we're listening to, what we're hearing, what we're reading. And then this, I love what James says. He says, when you do this, you are deceiving yourselves. You're deceiving yourselves. It's bad enough when someone else deceives us. When someone tricks us, we believe someone and they're not who they said they were. Uh, we, we believe in purchasing something that's going to do something for us and it, it doesn't uh, fulfill what they say is going to happen. Like that's bad enough to be deceived in that way. But to deceive yourself, to basically believe your own lies like one clear picture of this uh, for me is American Idol. If you've ever watched American Idol and, and you have people who stand and sing and they're not good. And the only reason I feel like I can share this is because I can't sing. And so uh, I understand what that's like. But, but for those people, what have they done? They've completely deceived themselves. And they've believed that they can sing. And then they step in front of people and they do what they think they can do. And they can't. And so they're deceiving themselves. Paul says, when you just listen to the word, you're deceiving yourself. All right, let's go on. Verse 23. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Uh, Most of us probably looked in the mirror this morning. Uh, Some of you maybe uh, didn't. We could probably tell who didn't. Uh, But uh, most of us probably looked uh, in a a mirror. uh, But the goal of looking in a mirror uh, for many of us is to improve what we look like. Right? To fix anything that's off. To make sure everything's okay. And so we go and we look in a mirror, we check ourselves, and we leave. But, But we don't turn right back around and come back to the, some of you might, but you don't necessarily come right back to the mirror and look at yourself. Right? You, you don't forget immediately what you look like. So the goal of looking in a mirror isn't, isn't just to see yourself, but to fix yourself, improve, your, improve yourself, to see what you really look like. But once you know, you don't keep going back to it. And so I think James is saying when you read the Bible... You know what Jesus says. For many of you, it's not a surprise how you should treat your enemies. You should love them. It's not a surprise that you should forgive people. Like, we know that. But, but for many of us, we forget what it says, and so we keep coming back and keep coming back, and it's like the man who looks in a mirror and walks away and immediately forgets what they look like. So verse 25, James goes on and says this, But the man who looks intently into the perfect law... The, what Jesus says, it says that gives freedom. So the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Something actually happens in our life when we read this or hear this and then put it into practice. James says what you do will be blessed. Now, many of us, I think, think this is just a book of rules. For many of us, if you grew up in church specifically, uh, it was kind of this legalistic, just do what I'm told. 
So as long as I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, then it's, then it's good. But James says this law gives freedom. That we're not bound to it. We don't become slaves to, uh, to it in the sense of it controlling us. But it, but it actually brings freedom to our lives. Maybe you've heard me this, say this before. This is the best analogy, and so I say it often. But it's like letting your kid play in the street. Like I probably have made Cade cry more than ever when, when he goes towards the street. I don't hold back. Probably one of the only times I've really yelled at my kids is when they're close to the street. But why? Why? Because I want, I want Cade to experience life. Yeah. Right? And so if I'm going to allow him to experience life, I'm going to put up boundaries. I'm going to give him instructions. I'm going to give him rules. And so the reason I do that is because I want Cade to follow it. Because I know if he does, his life will go well. And so James is saying, look, what you're hearing is not about being legalistic. So even a message like this this morning, we could walk away from this, couldn't we, and say, okay, I'm just going to follow the rules. And we go back to becoming legalistic. Or we could say, I believe that Jesus has something better for me. That my life looks better when I follow Jesus. And so we follow, we follow him. Uh, John 10.10 10 says that the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. The enemy of God wants that for your life. But it says Jesus comes to give life more abundantly. That was the reason Jesus came. Came for forgiveness. That's part of it. That is life more abundantly. But there's more to it than just that. So my goal for you and I, every time you're here, every time you open the Bible, every time you turn on your phone and you read it, the goal for you is not just to fill your head with more information. The goal and the question I want you to ask yourself is what am I going to do with what I've now heard? So what is God saying to me and what am I going to do about it? So we look at our core values and the things that we, we talked about last time and it's this idea that the first one is we find our identity in God alone, nothing else. It sounds really good, but until you actually put that into practice, it doesn't matter. Uh, we said we want to be a church that helps everyone take their next step in following Jesus. So if you're here, you're de-churched, unchurched, been hurt by the church, you've been in the church since the moment you were born, we want to help you take a step closer to Jesus. The way you do that is by applying what we've heard. We talked week three about loved people loving people. That is a great idea. That is a great idea that loved people love people. We've been loved by God, so we'll love people all people. But it's not just a, a good slogan. We, we want to put that into practice. The next week we talked about how being here is not just about consuming what God has, but about contributing to what God is doing. Great idea, but until we all take that step and say, okay, I'm going to actually participate in what God is doing, then it doesn't really matter. And then last week or a few weeks ago when we closed this, we talked about leading the way with radical generosity. Again, it's about applying that to our lives. So, why do we call him Lord, Lord, if we're not going to do what he says? Let's not just give ourselves the title of Christian. That carries weight in a lot of places in our world. Let's allow that to carry weight here for us. Uh, Greg and some of the guys are going to come back up and, and lead us in a, a song. I'm going to invite you to stand in just a moment. Um, but, but the song is Be Thou My Vision. It's been redone a little bit. Maybe if you grew up in, in church, you've heard this song before. But 
That's what we want. We want our vision to be that of, of God. Not our own, what we think is best, but what we think is best for us because of who God is. So this core value, we will follow the life and teaching of Jesus. Would you stand with me?